You're listening to The Simple Truth with Pastor Dion Cordova of Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Let's say it again. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So Jesus not only draws us, He also initiates connection. He calls us by name. And here's the next thing He does. He changes us. Say it out loud. He what? He changes us. Kindness is a buzzword right now. You find it printed on t-shirts, talked about on social media, and promoted in schools. But kindness is more than just a passing fad. It's a part of God's character. And as Pastor Dion shares in his message today, kindness is what draws you to God. Pastor Dion goes on to teach that God then initiates connection with you and calls you by name. Finally, God creates deep lasting change in your life and gives you the freedom to be a brand new person. Now here's Pastor Dion in the book of Luke chapter 19 with today's edition of The Simple Truth. Here's a guy who betrayed his people, his country, his God by being a tax collector. He is hard, calloused, violent, rude, ruthless. And he hears that Jesus is passing through and something stirs his curiosity. Everyone has an instinct of curiosity. Sometimes curiosity is stimulated by our intellect, the need to know what and how. Kind of like why the sun lightens our hair but darkens our skin. Why do doctors call what they do practice? Why do they sterilize the needles for lethal injections? And who tastes the dog food when it has a new and improved flavor? Huh? Curiosity. Everybody said curiosity. Intellectual curiosity. I was very curious as a kid, and I probably, you know, really stressed my parents. I can remember being six or seven, and we walked into the famous Michael's Kitchen in Taos, and we're walking in to have a meal with, I'm walking in with my family, and they had a big, big picture of a Native American guy holding a rifle, full warrior colors and everything, And, and, and I asked my dad who that guy was. You know, I was curious, who's the guy on the painting? And my dad made this elaborate story that he was an uncle of ours, I, I think that's maybe where I get my imagination. But anyway, my dad tells me this story. For the longest time, I thought I was Native American um, until I did that DNA test. Turns out I'm a gypsy, a Greek gypsy. But anyhow, here we go. Curiosity. Sometimes it's stimulated by intellect. Sometimes curiosity is stimulated by our flesh, the need to experience Look at your neighbor and say, I know what that's like. Just go ahead and look at your neighbor, because you probably have gone way too far over the edge with that one, right? And be careful with that curiosity, because that's the curiosity that killed the cat. But then there's also sometimes curiosity is stimulated by God. So sometimes it's 
our intellect that stimulates it. Sometimes it's our flesh that stimulates it. But sometimes our curiosity is stimulated by God. It's a divine stir. Everybody say it out loud. What? A divine stir. And when it comes to Jesus and salvation, God is the instigator of our curiosity. In fact, Jesus explained it like this in John chapter 6, verse 44. Read it with me. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. God is the instigator. When it comes to Jesus and salvation, God is the instigator of the curiosity in us. Because by ourselves, we are not attracted to Jesus and salvation. You know, preachers and churches make us nervous, anxious, uncomfortable. You remember the feeling, right? Sit there the whole time sweating like a mule going through customs. You know what I'm saying? I see when folks from our church introduce me to their families who, you know, are not church people or not Christians. I see how nervous people get around a pastor or preacher or anything like that. I've gone to church once or or twice, they say. By ourselves, we're not attracted to Jesus and salvation. In fact, we tend to show hostility towards preachers and church. I don't need them, we say. I'm fine. I'm not that bad. Or we say, I like my life. You remember the act. Defending, rationalizing, justifying. Look at your neighbor and say, you remember. You look at him and say, you remember. But God leverages any and everything he can to pull us in. We had no attraction to God or to salvation. We were fine the way we were. But it's God who stimulates this curiosity. He leverages whatever He can to pull us in, whether they're miracles or testimonies or friends or even circumstances in our life that kneecap us, that we're at that place where we finally look up. God will leverage whatever. He will leverage all those things. And he especially leverages this in our life. Everybody say what it is. It's what? The Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 verse 8 says this. Jesus said it. And when He has come, talking about the Holy Spirit, He will convince the world of its sin and of the availability of God's goodness and of coming judgment. The Holy Spirit's job. Jesus explained that the role of the Holy Spirit in an unbeliever's life is to come alongside them, to convict them of sin, to convince them of God's goodness and coming judgment. That's the Holy Spirit's job. Before any of us were ever saved, the Holy Spirit came alongside of us and would convict us of our sin. That's not right. That's terrible. How dare you? That's awful. Right? Your inward conscience where the Holy Spirit speaks to you. You know, say, don't do that. That's not right. Stop that behavior. It also convinced you that you needed to change, that you need Jesus in your life, that you need God in your life. You would tell yourself, I need to get back to church. I need to go to church. 
It would also convince you of the coming judgment. You would, on occasion, have a fearful thought about what happens when I die, especially at funerals. Where will I go? And we try to evaluate, I'm a good person. But the Holy Spirit comes alongside. You see, it's God that stimulates our curiosity. He comes alongside. The Holy Spirit puts unbelievers in the hot seat and presses them hard. Kind of like a police investigator or a prosecuting attorney, right? That old song, the heat is on, right? Can you feel it? Can you feel it? Is what the song says. The Holy Spirit does that. Listen, without God initiating contact, through testimonies and friends and circumstances in the Holy Spirit, we would never stop to consider Him. Without God initiating contact through those things, we would never lift our eyes to look toward Him. Here's Zach, the worst of sinners. And he is being stirred by God to see who Jesus was. God stirred a curiosity in the worst of sinners' heart. Look at your neighbor and say, there's hope for us, right? And there was. In the worst of sinners' heart, he stirred a curiosity. And Zach, you know, Zacchaeus, was moved to go see who Jesus was. The stirring moved Zach to run ahead of the entourage and perch himself on a sycamore tree to see Jesus. He couldn't see him because of the crowd. Something stirred him to go out there. Then he got there and couldn't see over the crowd. So he runs ahead and he doesn't you know, just say, oh, forget it. I don't care anyhow. No, there's something stirring inside of him and he runs ahead and he perches himself in a sycamore tree to see Jesus. Now guys, sycamore trees are short trees with thick, sturdy, low-hanging branches. And maybe this was Zach's go-to place for every parade or car show or happening that happened down on the highway there. I don't know, but he went and he perched himself. Let's read the passage. Verse 4, so Zacchaeus, or Zach, ran ahead and climbed into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, read this part out loud with me, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, that's the crowd, they all complained, saying, he has gone to be a guest with a man who is, uh, everybody say it, so when it comes to our salvation, Jesus takes the first steps. First, He draws us. Say it out loud. What does He do? He draws us. By ourselves, we wouldn't be interested. We wouldn't be attracted. But He stimulates us and He draws us. That's the first thing. But then, here's what the next thing Jesus does. He connects. Say it out loud. He what? He connects. Jesus called Zacchaeus by name. Now, a lot of people were on a first-name basis with Zach. You know, the bouncer at the gentleman's club, the bartender at the saloon, the bookie at the track, the clerk at the pot shop, you know, the defense attorney knew his name, the city police knew his name, the town gossips knew his name. 
A lot of people were on a first name basis with Zach. And I'm sure Zach never expected Jesus to know his name. But he did. And the Lord knows yours too. Jesus said that he is our good shepherd and he knows each of us by name. And God told the Old Testament prophet Isaiah that he has tattooed each of our names on his hand. Here's the statement in Isaiah. Read it with me. I have written your name on the palms of my hands. You are not just a number or a face in the crowd. Jesus knows our name and He calls out to us by name. And you know what He says? Can I come over? Isn't that cool? Can I come over? I know you probably expected Jesus to say to Zacchaeus, O ye of little faith. Right? But that's not what He said. He said, can I come over? Guys, Jesus comes down into our neighborhood and knocks on our door. Revelation records Jesus saying this. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, Look, I have been standing at the door and am constantly knocking. If anyone hears me calling him and opens the door, I will come in and fellowship with him and he with me. When Jesus asked Zach or Zacchaeus if he could come over, Zach jumped down off the tree and received Jesus joyfully. Is grinning like a mule-eating cocklebirds. You know what I mean? Come over, he said. I'll, I'll grill some steaks. We can play pool and we can shoot the breeze. The religious crowd, on the other hand, they reacted with disgust. They want a grill too, just not steaks. Tax collector on the Barbie is what they want. Or short ribs. Huh? Pardon the pun. In the religious people's mind and opinion, Zacchaeus deserves vengeance, not a visit. He deserves cruelty, not compassion. But Jesus chose to visit him anyway. It's called grace. Everybody said out loud what? Grace. God's unmerited favor. The only thing the religious crowd had ever given Zach, those religious people, the only thing they had ever given Zach was a hard time. Henyos, harassment, and hellfire threats. You're going to go to hell. But Paul said it best. Here's the verse. Read it out loud with me. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. Let's say it again. It's God's kindness that leads us to repentance. So Jesus not only draws us, He also initiates connection. He calls us by name. And here's the next thing He does. He changes us. Say it out loud. He what? He changes us. 
Let's read the verse. Verse 8, Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, and he had, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Not only does the Lord draw us, because we wouldn't be attracted or interested on our own, so He stirs the curiosity on the inside. And then once He stirs our curiosity, He connects with us. He lets you know that you're not a face, you're not a number, you are a soul that needs His help. And then He changes us. Jesus' presence in our life transforms us deeply. It gives King Cusco a new groove. Huh? The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah said this, He takes out the old stony heart and replaces it with a heart of flesh. From pride to humility, from anger to love, from Grinch to giver, from rebel to restorer. Zach gave. I mean, all his life he had taken, and now he wants to give. It's an obvious change. Everybody said a lot of it's what? It's an obvious change. We've seen it in you. In your lives, your spouse has seen it in you. They're shocked sometimes. Your kids see it in you. What? Your family members see it. You're not going to blow a fuse. You're not going to do what you do. They see it. Zach gave, but also Zach restored. You see, the Old Testament demanded that a thief return what he had taken and add one-fifth as interest. Zach declared that he was going to do that very thing. I'm going to give half of my stuff. I'm giving half of my stuff to the poor. And the people that I have defrauded, that I have shaken down, that I have bullied, that I have taken advantage of, I'm going to return to them the wrongful. Amount. All the people that have said, I, I messed up, I overcharged them. All the people whom I know I took advantage of, I'm going to make it right. Everybody said out loud, I'm going to what? I'm going to make it right. These are not modifications we can make on our own. Heck, we have a hard time just dieting and exercising. We can barely do that, much less change our character. Look at your neighbor say, I know he's talking about you right now. Just tell him that. This is a divine work of the Lord that gives us the will and power to do His will. It doesn't come from you. In fact, here's the verse. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. Read it with me. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. So, in other words, you're not super Christian. 
He's the one that stimulated the desire to come to Him. He's the one who connected with you. And He's the one that does the changes on the inside of you. He gives you the desire and the power to do it. He gives you the desire to stop living that old lifestyle. And then He gives you the power to do it. The outside world doesn't understand it. They question, how are you able? How, are, how did you kick it? How did you do it? How did, how, did you, how, how did you get your marriage back together? How did you fix it? And if you are arrogant and proud and self-absorbed, you'll tell them how you did it and you'd be wrong. Because you can go through all of those motions, but it's the Lord who does it. When you let Him do it, He'll give you the desire. Sometimes you don't want to. Look at your neighbor and say, I know he's talking about me. He gives us the want to and then the power to change. It's pretty cool. The desire to make things right is the evidence or the fruit of true relationship, of true salvation. And Jesus announced with complete assurance that Zach was saved and a true son of Abraham. No more guessing, no hoping, no waiting. He announces, you know, the guy who came saying, is being good good enough? And Jesus had to correct it. He had told the security of salvation. If you want it, have to believe in me. Jesus announces about this Zacchaeus, about Zach. He is assured. He's got a place. He is a son of Abraham from now on. Isn't that awesome? Now, for all those of you who are trying to find your Hebraic or Jewish roots, because, you know, there's always people trying to make a connection to the Jews. Because, you know, in, in some way they feel that, you know, have a godly heritage. That they've got an extra blessing. Well, Jesus made it pretty clear that it's not your genetics that make you a child of Abraham. It's your faith in Jesus Christ. Because this guy Zacchaeus was already a Jew. He was already a descendant of Abraham. He had Hebraic roots that were planted way deep in his family tree. And Zacchaeus' tree might have been a bonsai tree. But anyhow, uh, I'm just messing. <laughs> but he had Hebraic roots. But Jesus says, hey, listen. This man now is a son of Abraham. What makes us sons of Abraham and Recipients of God's promise is not where we descend from, but who we believe in. That is our link to Abraham's blessing, to God's blessing, and to be children of God. Jesus made it pretty clear. Jesus is your link. We're so glad that you joined us today for The Simple Truth. Pastor Dion Cordova has been sharing from the book of Luke, one of the narratives of Jesus' life on earth. Luke's perspective emphasizes the human interactions that Jesus had, his time spent caring deeply for people, no matter who they were or what their story was. Jesus cares for you in the same way. 
He knows what your background is, but that hasn't changed his opinion of you. He just wants to get to know you and show you what unconditional love is. His grace is big enough to cover all of your sins, and he's offering you a new life today. We'd love to tell you more, so please give us a call. We'll share how Jesus can impact your life forever and what steps you can take to begin a relationship with him. Our phone number is 505-753-4363. That's 505-753-4363. We'd like to encourage you to get involved with a local church as well. This will be a place that you can ask questions, learn more about Jesus, and find support as you grow in your faith. Are you in the Española area? If so, we'd love for you to come visit us at Truth Ministries Calvary Chapel. We meet on Sundays and Wednesdays for a time of worship, Bible study, and fellowship. Find out more and get directions to the church by visiting tmcalvary.com. That's tmcalvary.com. Our time with you is coming to an end today, but we want to thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again for more from Luke right here on The Simple Truth. Let us join our hands and together we stand. Together.